Welcome to season five of the Life Giver Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life back into your military or first responder marriage. This is your host, Corey Weathers. I'm a military spouse, clinician, and advocate, and I'm bringing topics that I hear from the service community and counseling room to the podcast, where we can face the challenges of this lifestyle together. Welcome to season five of the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I have with me Dr. Becky Porter from Military Child Education Coalition. She is the CEO and president, and I've been thinking about highlighting this amazing resource on the podcast for some time now because, number one, as a military family, we have so much benefited from what MSEC has provided, um, and I hope to share a little bit more about that in the episode. But I just knew there's so many families out there that are parenting military kids and trying to navigate, especially with all the relocations, how to raise amazing military kids and launch them successfully. And I have just bumped into MSEC several times in several different locations and have been thrilled with what they're providing. So I'm thrilled to have Dr. Becky Porter on the the podcast for this season to share with you guys a little bit more about what they're doing, what they can offer, and really how they can raise your confidence as a parent that you can actually successfully raise and launch your military kids um, in a way that they will feel not only educated, but supported. So um, Dr. Porter, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really looking forward to talk to you. Thank you, Corey. Thanks for having me. And, and I have to tell you, I'm, I really appreciate the interest that you've shown in MSEC and the confidence that you have in what we can provide for military kids. Well, I am a parent of teenagers now, and I will be honest, I well, I'll just speak for myself. You know, being a parent is hard enough, and being in the military and constantly relocating, and I'm very public with the fact that our family in particular has relocated more um, more frequently than most families, or at a tempo that has been a little bit um, very rapid. So about every year and a half on average is what we have moved. And so as a parent, it's hard enough to do that, but to try to help your kids through all these relocations and moves and all the emotions and working with the school system, my kids go to the public school system. And so, um, and now we are a newly EFMP family. There's just so many variables that make it more challenging to really, um, try to raise and launch these great kids. And so, um, I'm so thankful that someone, maybe you can kind of share a little bit of the background of MSEC, but someone had the passion and desire to say, we need something for our military kids and their parents, and maybe even for the teachers as well. So um, I guess to start, you have recently taken on the role as the CEO for MSEC, but could you maybe go back just a little bit and maybe share a little bit about what MSEC is and maybe just kind of a real high level storyline of how MSEC came to be. Sure, I'd be happy to do that. Well, MSEC, or the Military Child Education Coalition, has actually been around for about 22 years. And we're um, headquartered in Harker Heights, Texas, which is right outside of Fort Hood. And the reason that we are headquartered there is that that's where we started. And it was um, it was a group of, of caring parents and army leaders and an assistant superintendent from the Colleen Independent School District sitting around a table um, one evening talking about some of the challenges that male kids have, particularly when their parents have to relocate. Um, and so 
um, this, this group of folks decided that they wanted to form a nonprofit to, to help military children and especially around their education needs. And so they started it. And the, the original um, CEO and founding CEO was Dr. Mary Keller, who was the assistant uh, superintendent at Colleen Independent School District at the time. Uh, and she and some other caring individuals just decided, I mean, I think they opened up their, their wallets right then and put 40 bucks on the table. And that was how they started. Um, and since that time, then um, it's broadened to, uh, to serve way more than just Army kids uh, and way more than just those at Fort Hood. Um, it's, a, it's a global organization. We have folks all over the country and we serve children all over the world. Um, we have, um, well, let me tell you, you asked a little bit about how I got involved. So back in 2001, um, I was on active duty in the Army and um, worked in the office of the Chief of Staff of the Army at the Pentagon. And one of the things that I was responsible for was family programs and education. And so as part of my duties, I was asked to help coordinate the chief's remarks for, um, for the, what's now known as the National Training Seminar that MSEC holds annually um, so that he could, he could participate in this meeting and make remarks to the audience. And so I started working with them. And then... Um, Two years later, after I didn't even work for him anymore, I stayed involved with the organization because um, I just really felt passionate about what they did and what they continue to do. Um, at, back in 2001, we were um, just publishing a what I consider to be a seminal research project called the Secondary Education Transition Study, or SETS. And that was the first um, kind of actual, it was qualitative research around um, what military kids experience when they go from school to school. And so we actually collected, um, we did interviews and collected information and then analyzed that information to see what do military kids experience from transitioning their credits, moving credits from one high school to another? Uh, what's it like for them to try to, to show up at the school after they've already had tryouts for football team or cheerleading for the season and or or even music tryouts. And so um, we, we found out about that. We also found out that there are um, not surprisingly a lot of social concerns for kids when they come into a new school. And um, and even something down to who do I sit with um, at lunch on my first day was something that really concerned those kids. And, um, and so uh, we set about to, uh, to work with different school systems, especially those that um, had a lot of military kids coming in and out. Uh, and we um, helped them come to a memorandum of agreement among, and it, there was an original nine schools that did this. Um, and that was a precursor to um, what's known as MIC-3 now, which is a, it's an interstate compact that's completely outside of MSEC's. Um, we don't control it at all, but it's, it's grown a life of its own and is a completely separate uh, regulatory requirement for schools to work with military kids. Um, so that was how I originally got involved was as a proofreader for the secondary education transition study. And then I later um, was a trainer for some of them at, at different events, um, did presentations and eventually was on um, their science advisory board. Uh, my background is in clinical psychology. And so um, 
they actually they really needed me to wrangle the other scientists. And so um, that's how I got involved with MSEC and how I stayed involved with MSEC. And um, Mary Keller, like I said, the founder only retired um, in September. And so I've retired from the Army and now serve as the president and CEO. Well, I, first of all, I just want to say thank you for um, how hard you worked in the military and for serving yourself. Um, but I'm so thankful that your paths crossed with something that you became so passionate about and that really aligns with your skill set too, with having that background of psychology. And I, you know, in a very small way, I feel like that is how my introduction to MSEC came about too, and just that I just happened to come across it. In fact, we were actually stationed at Fort Leavenworth for ILE for the CGSE course. And that's actually where I came across MSEC for the first time. I was brought out here in 2015 to actually speak to the spouses that whose um, soldiers were going through the CGSC course. And there happened to be somebody from MSEC that was presenting a workshop on, um, it was specifically on how we as parents could create a portfolio for our kids so that as we transition and as we move from school to school, just like we have a PCS binder, that we could have a portfolio binder for the kids as well to hold everything that we could possibly need um, to help them transition better. And I'll be honest, that was the first time anybody had ever mentioned that to me. And it was just like, I cannot believe I had not thought about creating a portfolio. But even bigger than that, for somebody to walk me through how to organize that portfolio, what's best to keep in that portfolio. And that was the first time I heard about that um, that compact of being able to take that letter to a school that says, hey, you know, I need you. It was little things like, um, I didn't know until that workshop that um, if your child had received, let's say, gifted services in a school before that, that you could now go to the next school and say, you know, until they're tested, we should be able to accept this child into that program. Probably very similar to all the other activities, the social activities, the, you know, just to give them that kind of transition in. And then if you need to further evaluate them according to your state standards, that's a you know, whole different thing. Yeah. So it just yeah. opened my eyes to so many things in that workshop. And I thought, oh my goodness, how, how had I not come across this nonprofit before? You know, especially considering my kids are late in elementary school, I could have just, it could have been so much easier for me if I would have known about it in advance. Yeah. So, and since then I I have, of course, you know, now I've, I know the logo and I see them and I um, see them coming into the schools and doing workshops for the kids, workshops for the parents. Um, and it's just been so wonderful ever since then to see you guys popping up all over the place and really serving our community in a beautiful way. And it just makes me smile every time I see you guys. So um, I would love for maybe you to share a little bit. Again, you're doing so much. Um, it's hard to, we wouldn't have the time to really dive into the details of so many things, but um, if you could just break down the organization of MSEC and what people um, could understand as far as what you provide and who you provide services to, that might be a great way to start. So I know for sure you do, you do things for students, for parents and professionals. So could you maybe break down just a little bit of what you provide? Sure. Um, so, uh, and that's actually a good way to think about it is um, students, parents, and professionals. Uh, and those are kind of three of our main line of efforts and or lines of effort. And then the a fourth one is um, related to those, and that's military student transitions. So we have actual training and professional professionals who provide like a concierge service for 
uh, transitioning students and, and facilitating transitions. But I'll start with the with the student programs. We have um, the our our original student program is called Student to Student or S2S, and that was designed for um, originally for high school students. And it's it, you can think of it sort of as a club, but it's a lot more than a club. It um, it has a curriculum and core values, and it's designed to uh, teach kids that are members of the club leadership. Uh, inclusivity, um, and also to provide um, a landing spot for kids coming into a new school. The thing about S2S that a lot of people don't realize is that it's open to all students. It's not just military students. So, um, and that goes back to our core value of inclusivity, but it's also a way for military connected kids to to kind of share their experiences with their civilian counterparts and civilian peers in a way that I think helps to um, helps the rest of the country understand what it's like to be in the military and what some of the um, benefits and challenges can be. So we have, and those are those are led by uh, what we call a sponsor, who is somebody who's on faculty or staff at the high school, and um, those those programs are eligible to. Um, for the kids can be nominated for a leadership program that we have called the Francis Hesselbein Leadership Program. And that is a, a kind of a week-long seminar that's held um, twice a year, once at the Air Force Academy and once at the Military Academy at West Point. And um, the kids go there and they learn even more in-depth leadership uh, um, tenets from the faculty and the cadets um, at those two institutions, and then take those back to their schools. They're really, um, we found uh, from the feedback that those are really enriching experiences for, for our S2S kids. Um, and then for um, the junior high level, there's JS2S, um, similarly led by a sponsor, an adult sponsor at the so I say led by that the sponsor kind of oversees it, but in both the JS2S and the S2S, the goal is to have the students lead it and to um, be the ones that set the agenda and and ensure that the curriculum is is followed and 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 presented in an entertaining way or or an engaging way, I should say, for their for their fellow students. And then um, there is also ES2S, which is the elementary student to student program. And that's for that one really is led by a teacher or, or staff member at the elementary level. But it's just to introduce those, um, those youngsters to um, some of the same tenets, some of the same core values, and to get them engaged in learning about leadership at a very early age. Um, but but those all came into existence because of a need that we um, observed in that secondary education transition study and then a follow-up that we did several years later um, that told us that really those first two weeks that um, a military kid gets into their new school are so crucial, um, almost fragile for them mm -hmm. to have somebody that they can connect with, um, someone that they know they're going to sit with at lunch. That's an incredibly stressful period is who do I sit, sit with at lunch when I'm new? Uh, and so um, that's how those started, those student programs. And then we also have, like you mentioned, the parent programs. And those are called parent to parent because 
uh, all of our trainers um, in that program are actually military parents. And there's a requirement that they, before they're hired, that they had to have gone through some PCS moves to know what it's like to, um, to try to shepherd their, their military child into a new school. Uh, and then, and so they provide those trainings to um, parents at their location, or sometimes they travel to that location. Um, and they have a whole a whole slew of of um, trainings that they can do. And you mentioned some of them, you know, like helping to prepare for college or building a, a portfolio for your student, um, right down to the recommendation to take pictures of the front of their textbooks so that when you get to the next school and they say, well, what text were they using? You can say, oh, this is the one that they used because um, it makes a difference in the world of education. Um, and uh, and Another thing that we do in the parent to parent is um, is educate the parents on uh, it's kind of like an expectation management. So helping them learn that um, that education is a local issue. It's not something that is typically federally uh, regulated. Although there are some federal regulations that apply, but really what you get at one at one school could be dramatically different from what you get at the next school. And it doesn't mean that they're, that they're negligent in their responsibilities or that the last school was negligent. It's, it's just different. There are different ways of scheduling courses, different ways of sequencing uh, things like math. And so um, we, we help the parents learn about that. But we also do things, we have uh, podcasts and webinars on things like the importance of sleep and, and how can you help uh, your teenager get the right kind of sleep for to, to, um, to enhance and leverage the best education experience for them. Uh, let's see. So that's kind of the parent to parent. Um, and, and, and that's a program. Sometimes it's referred to as P2P. And then finally, we have a professional development program, and that is for the educators uh, and the staff in the schools. And in the in our professional development, we provide them with similar content, but from the perspective of an educator. So, how can you, as a school counselor, help a, a um, military child or a new child transition into your school system from another one? Or if you are sending a child to a new school, what are some things you can help the family do to prepare for that? Um, and you mentioned EFMP, and we've really, um, in, in the last few months, seen an increased interest from families on making sure that their EFMP and children with special needs are um, getting their education needs met in the way that, that they should be legally and then just from an opportunity standpoint. Uh, and so um, we do podcasts on, on IEPs and 504 and how do you, um, how do you transition your, your child's uh, program from one school to another. And actually, um, we've had meetings with school superintendents to see, um, you know, how can we better educate parents to be able to move as seamlessly as possible into that new school setting, especially when they have a child who has special needs. So, so much. And I, I will be honest, I love the podcasts. I um, have benefited so much from, it's just calmed me as a parent, especially of teenagers to listen to podcasts where you guys have even interviewed some of the high school kids or military kids um, to get that kind of feedback and share from their perspective, a personal perspective of what it's like to be a military kid. 
so many great resources and advice along the way that I can't tell you just how appreciative I've been of that podcast, you know, and, and so much knowledge to be able to pull from. I'm just going to really just encourage everybody listening. I know we have a lot of first responder families that listen to this podcast as well. And so I just want to kind of caveat here that I know that this specific episode really speaks to a lot of our active duty, maybe some of our National Guard as well. But like she said, there's a lot of great resources for all the kids. And so I think that there's plenty that even first responder families can look into what MSEC is doing and benefit from. I mean, I can't tell you just how helpful it is to be able to um, go to the school or have a meeting or go and meet next year's you know teacher and be able to have that portfolio to be able to say, here's some of his best work from last year. Here's maybe mm-hmm. how he learns best um, or really just kind of giving me the confidence to be able to speak with a teacher and advocate for my child when I need to. And that's been honestly the best thing that I have learned from my mentors, other military spouses that have mentored me as a parent and as a mom. And also MSEC too is empowering me to advocate for my child. I think originally, you know, when you're, when you're young and you have these, you know, babies, these little people, you know, and it's time to, you know, especially take them to public school. And, you know, there is that feeling of relief, like someone else's responsibility because I am not talented to do this, you know, Um, you know, which I'm so thankful for because I am talented in educating adults and it's just not the calling on my life to homeschool my kids, although we've had to think about it with the tempo that we have had. Um, but I think early on, I, I thought and assumed that, um, you know, this is my fault and I'll be vulnerable and say that I assumed that all the educators would fully understand my child, have the time to really fully understand my child and be able to give, provide the best education possible. And I think it was the desire of their heart to provide the best education possible. And that I needed to learn how to be graceful instead of storming mm-hmm. the castle and just, you know, ripping the school system apart for something yeah. that they may have been doing the best that they could. But I think it took me a while to realize that I can and should be the advocate for my child And that if I can just be graceful with those that I'm working with, that we all wish to work together. I'm sure you hear that all the time from your professionals, Mm -hmm. that we all wish to work together, but we sometimes have to bring all the right information to the table. Yeah, absolutely, Corey. And I think that's a real good point about bringing the right information to the table. Um, And that's something that those parent-to-parent seminars and trainings can provide, um, as well as the professional development, so that there's the right information on both sides of that. Uh, equation. Um, I wanted to go back just for a second to the first responders and and how um, what MSEC does and what we've learned can really apply to their situation. Um, You know, a lot of what we've seen in the last um, 15 years and what we've done in the last 15 years was for military children around the issues of deployment, PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and how all of those, the um, the separations, the anxiety that goes with having a parent in danger um, really can impact a child's ability to receive their education. Mm-hmm. And, and so to that, to that point, I think that first responders are really in a very, very similar boat to actively guard and reserve. And, and so, um, and then where they, where they parallel kind of to the guard and reserve is that um, they may not be around a big installation where somebody knows 
what they do, what the parent does for a living. And so the educators might not um, might not key into the fact that, for example, Johnny's dad was in a huge um, fire, you know, fighting a huge fire last night or had to respond to a to a horrible traffic accident and and what that can do to a home life. And so Mm -hmm. um, in that sense, I think a lot of what we've learned from the last 15 or more years of war and how that impacts our children um, can can be applied also to the children of first responders, if that makes sense. Oh, I'm so, so glad that you said that. And that so many of those resources, those emotional resources, um, the social support that those kids need, um, and the support that the parents need too. I'm sure there's so much that MSEC has even on their website or in the podcast that arm you as a parent with the right words even to be able to go to the school and articulate what it is that your family is going through to have successful conversations. Because I think at the end of the day, that's what this is about, right? It's about how does everybody work together, communicate well, um, and understand both sides. I don't think it's ever effective. I've been that parent who has been so stressed because of my own life and the military lifestyle, um, who's also combined that with my worry of my child or um, the stress that they're under that I have not communicated well with the school, whether Mm -hmm. that was out of frustration or out of um, fear even, or just whatever those emotions were that I didn't communicate well. And I think there's also been times at the school um, because of the pressures that they're under didn't communicate well either. So I think it's so valuable to have resources that give you the right words, that give Mm -hmm. you the right tools, that um, even cast perspective on the fact that we're all in this together. We all have a common goal that these kids do great. And so if we can do that together and actually um, communicate at the table better, then I'm all for that. Are you hearing something today that's really hitting home? Take your personal growth to the next level by joining the Life Giver Facebook group. Simply head over to the Facebook page, Corey Weathers slash Life Giver, and join the group with other service couples for support and deeper discussions on each episode. Want even more? Subscribe to the Life Giver newsletter for practical tips from each episode and exclusive discounts on sessions with Corey. I know a couple of the things that your workshop really, a couple of things that stood out to me in the workshop besides the portfolio was it was the first time that I had ever heard someone say that um, when military kids specifically are moving from school to school, that um, that there there's even a lot of kids are showing there's chunks of information that they are missing, you know, especially if you're moving in the middle of the year. And I had never thought about that before. So I remember the workshop, the woman that was leading the workshop, I remember her telling a story about how um, one of the military kids that she came across, you know, it was small information. It's just kind of, it makes you just kind of think it's nothing that was like crucial to their, the mm-hmm. building blocks of their mm-hmm. education. But it's small things like you miss that one segment of, you know, red and blue make purple or, you know, a young child who maybe misses if they move mid year, um, they miss that information of what's the order of the months of the year because yeah. they moved and perhaps that teacher was saving that for second semester. And then you get to the next school and that teacher in second semester covered it in the first semester. So yeah. they're yeah. missing these little tidbits of information. And that opened up my eyes as a parent to realize, um, 
kind of the costs associated with relocating and moving mid-year and helped me advocate a little bit more. I love your idea about taking a picture of the textbook. I think that would be so helpful for situations like this to know like what was the curriculum that they were using and where did they get to in that curriculum? Mm -hmm. And then being able to advocate in case there is information missing that we might need to supplement with tutoring. We might need to supplement with extra time with the teacher or even just have more patience as a family while that child catches up. Right, right. And, and um, thinking about how to reassure the child that it's not a, it's, it's not a deficit on their part that they don't have the information that the other kids seem to have. Um, when you were talking about that, I wasn't in a military family growing up, but I, I've thought, and I, but I did move several times and I, and I somehow missed the instruction on the state capitals. And I've always, always noticed that when people start talking about the state capitals, it's like, okay, yeah, I can look those up, but I don't ever remember anyone teaching me about that. Yeah. But on the other side though, a lot of military kids will, especially when they get into junior high and high school, they might get state history for every single state that their parents are assigned. I was actually going to bring this up. This is a common, this is, this is just a common conversation that we have a lot in our own household. And my kids actually brought this up. They were like, why do I have to learn about Virginia when I'm going to leave Virginia and I'm going to go to the next state and they're going to make me learn about Georgia in the next state. And before you continue, I just want to say we had, I had this major aha when my kids brought this up. And he actually said to me, he was like, he goes, I understand that it's important to understand the history of each state, but he goes, do they not understand that the world is so much bigger than the state that they live in? And it really woke my eyes up to how big our military kids see the world because they've lived in more than one state. Yep. Yeah, that's absolutely true. In fact, um, my daughter, uh, when she got married, so I have two military kids. One is uh, 28 and the other one's 25. And the 28-year-old, when she got married, and and of course we had moved all around, um, but she and her husband moved to another state and she wanted to get a new driver's license with her new married name on it. And when she went to the to the, the place and they said, well, um, can do you have your birth certificate? And she did. And they said, well, why is your driver's license from Virginia, but you were born in the state of Washington? And she said, I've moved since I was born. And (laughs) and the rural community where she had moved to, that was kind of an unusual concept for them. And so, I mean, but military kids take that for granted. They, and, and they take for granted, I think, um, you know, going to some of the some of the advantages of being a military child is that they, many of them can walk into a room full of strangers and find something to talk about Mm -hmm. and, and are, and can move through the world with a certain level of ease, at least outwardly, um, that some of their civilian counterparts might envy. And so it's, it's not all bad news for military kids. And they do, they do um, tend to to rise to the challenge and then thrive, I think. But but what MSEC tries to do is make sure that they are able at every stop along the way to take the best advantage of the education opportunities that are in front of them. You know, um, Dr. Porter, interesting after you were saying um, that that can actually be turned as a strength. You know, I think it's hard for us as military parents 
Um, I'll just speak for myself again. I know it's been a huge burden on my heart, making sure that the kids are okay. And that, you know, I love to talk with um, mentors like you who have successfully launched their kids. And every time you, somebody says something like I have a 28 year old and they just got (laughs) married. I'm like, so it's possible. They do, they do launch and they are okay. You know, I I'm so thankful for that mentoring. Um, but we, we worry so much about our kids and we worry about, you know, are they moving too much and is it too much of a burden on them? And, you know, are they, are we going to deal with a lot of psychological issues at some point? Um, and, I was actually at the kids' school, it was the elementary school, and MSEC was actually doing an event for Military Child Day. Um, and they were, I was so thankful to see them there and see them involved and playing a part in what the school, it was, a, it was a, one of those great schools that was really tracking the military kids coming in, making sure that they have those military kid appreciation days, and really tying in MSEC and the resource resources and the people that they have to be able to offer that level of support. And so, and so I was at a table with some young elementary school military kids, and I think I was passing out cupcakes and I was just trying to start, just to start up a conversation with the kids. And so I asked them how long they had been living here. Had they recently uh, moved here and where did they move from? And they went around the table and one kid was saying, you know, well, I just got here from Japan and, you know, I've spent some time in Germany and somebody else said, well, I just moved here from Virginia. And it got to this one little girl and she started to cry. And I, I mean, just weep at the table. And I was like, oh no, like what's going on? I thought maybe is her dad deployed or Mm -hmm. is there something significant that's going on in her life? So I just, I knelt down beside her and I tried to calm her down. And I asked her, you know, what's going on? What's bringing tears to your eyes? And she goes, I've never gotten to live somewhere cool like that. So here we were at a table where I would think as a parent, it would be a stressor that they've moved in all these places and gone Mm -hmm. to all these places, but it actually was something that another military kid wished that they would have had more often in their life. Mm -hmm. And so I think we just never, um, we can never anticipate what actually can become a strength if we just kind of flip the perspective and really, um, help our kids and ourselves, I think to see the strength and the positivity of what it actually can um, do in our lives and how it can actually build those leadership characteristics like you've been talking about. Absolutely. And, and if I could, some, some of the, the stressors that we're seeing with kids are, are not as much, I mean, they're still transition and moving is a significant one, but we're also seeing some separation that might not be due to deployment. For example, if a service member gets assigned in a location where either they know that the service member will only be there for a year, and so they don't want to relocate the entire family, like when you mm-hmm. went to Leavenworth, um, or if it's a situation where um, the family doesn't feel comfortable with either the, the schools that are available, or they don't want to disrupt the school that they're currently in, the family will choose uh, of their own mm-hmm. volition to separate you know, mm-hmm. for, for that time period or that assignment. And, and that introduces a whole nother set of stressors for the family. It's like, a, you know, reintegration is difficult anyway after a deployment. But if you're doing it like every week or every couple of weeks where you bring in this, the, the family member who's remote back into the family, um, that's a stressor too. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're trying to look at those kinds of um, issues and how we can help address those as well as the transition. 
In fact, um, one of the things that we're doing uh, is to to launch a survey just to make sure that we're, you know, we've we've really been based on evidence and and informed by evidence since our beginning in the in the early 2000s. And what we want to do right now is kind of check the pulse of our stakeholders, whether they be educators, whether they be parents, um, and even some high school level students. Um, We're sending out a survey uh, in February. It'll be from February to mid-February to mid-March or mid-April actually. And um, just to kind of check the pulse and see what are your current needs? What are the things that we can help you with? Because we want to be able to um, continue to be relevant and helpful the way that you found the organization to be. Well, I love the fact that you guys are tracking geobatching. It's kids and kids education is one of the top reasons that families are geobatching. Um, it's a huge stressor on the family, especially if they're getting, if they're dealing with EFMP issues, um, those 504s or IEPs that are difficult to transition or if they, um, or maybe they can transition their education, but they can't find the medical care that they might need in that right. situation. Um, and then of course we have a lot of the high school students who are trying to finish up in one state or meet criteria in a state. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm just now learning that we can move to another state, but, but still get a diploma and meet qualifications in a previous state. So we don't have to keep starting over. That's mm-hmm. one of those things that I will be looking into here very soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what MSEC is able to provide as far as support for our mm-hmm. family. Um, so there can be a lot of reasons why a lot of families are choosing to geo batch. And that's one of those things that I really try to discourage if possible, unless there is a financial crisis, a medical yeah. crisis, or yeah. understandably we're talking about graduation um, because it, it can be very stressful for a kid to really pour themselves into electives or into classes and um, really work hard in those classes only to move and have those classes not accepted in the next state. Right, exactly, exactly. And to your to your point about um, the resources and being able to ask questions about that, um, on, I mean, you mentioned uh, MSEC's website and that there is a lot of information there, but there's also on the website, there's a play, a, a button called Ask Aunt Peggy. I don't know if you've ever noticed that on the website, but, um, but if you have a specific question that you don't see an answer to on our website, you can, you can ask Aunt Peggy on there and we um, put it in our staff and make sure that somebody gets back to the person to help them navigate whatever their individual situation is. Um, that's not the main thing of what we do, but it is something that we provide because I recognize that you can go on a website and not be able to find what you're looking for or your situation doesn't seem to fit into. And actually none of our situations fit neatly Mm -hmm. into a box. And so that's what asking Peggy is for. Why I love that. I'll probably be using that too. So if you see something coming in from the Weathers family, yeah. you'll know who it is. No, but I, I think that's so great because 22 years is such a long time to be able to have this amazing organization grow in credibility, but also in resources. And so when you get to that point where you're offering so many different um, resources to help a family, you know, I notice on the mental health side that about the time that somebody's trying to reach out for help is usually about the time that they're in a point of desperation or frustration um, yeah. and really struggle to find those resources. And so being able to have that kind of button or access to your staff to be able to, can you just point me where I need to go? Because I need to be able to have an answer 
to at least calm my own spirit so that I can handle this situation effectively. And I know that that's what your staff can do. Sometimes it's not about recreating a program or it may not even be stuff that you guys haven't explored yet. Although I'm sure you were able to gather some information on that. A lot of times it's just directing them to the right resource and tool Mm -hmm. in a very efficient way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we, we have um, partners that we work with in this, in this space um, around family issues, around military family issues um, and, and education issues. And so um, if we don't have uh, the answer or the, or the resources, we usually know somebody who can help. Well, I'm so thankful for all the branches that you guys are working with. And I mean like the parent, student and professional branches um, and the fact that you're backing this up with research because that research is good for us as parents to know as far as walking into whether you're walking a kid walking into middle school or into high school to be able to look into what you guys have found already and maybe be able to see some of those red flags early on if your child is beginning to struggle um, and being able to know how to have the resources to take to a teacher if they are not quite keying in on some of those symptoms or issues that are going on is super helpful as well. I have definitely been to schools where they have been just ready to receive us as a military family with open arms who have mm-hmm. MSEC, just walking the halls even and invited to almost every event. And I can tell you, those have been the best places for our family where I was able to get help with my kids quickly when they were starting to struggle, um, where I could reach out to them when I needed the support as well to help me um, navigate. You know, this is the first time you've raised a human at 15 years old, right? <laughs> so there's always something new to learn. And so I know, um, when we were in, when we were at Fort Jackson in South Carolina, for example, both the um, high school, middle school, and elementary schools all had MSEC parent-to-parent workshops being offered. Um, they had military child um, appreciation days that were happening. Um, I could go to any one of those MSEC representatives and ask for specific tools for my kid at that age. Mm, um, and it was great. just, a, and it was also a fantastic experience to walk into a new school with my portfolio ready. You know, mm-hmm. I think we as parents we when we do kind of get that advocacy bug, when we realize, okay, I guess I'm, I'm supposed to advocate for my child. It can be very easy to get to a place, unfortunately, where we feel like every school we go to, we have to start with a fight and it doesn't have to be that. And so there have been times that I've walked into a school like at Fort Jackson, um, on the Northeast um, area of Columbia and walked in and they were already willing to receive me. They were already tracking all the important um, laws and regulations and, and even resources to help us jump in quickly. They had an ambassador ready for my student, um, just doing all the right things. And so I can't tell you what that does for a parent's heart to go, my kids are going to be okay. That's all yeah. we want, right? Is yeah. our, our kids, I'm trying not to cry, right? Our <laughs> kids to be okay. Um, And then I get to be able to do what I do best because I can um, trust that they're okay. You know, and then there's been other schools that um, have not quite had that set up. And that, since having my experience with MSEC, has given me the ability 
to not feel like I have to have all the answers to that school because that's not my job. Right, um, but right. I can advocate for my child and other students by going to that school and say, hey, here is this amazing resource, MSEC, that in previous schools has been wonderful. And so let's look into that together. Um, let's yeah. not reinvent the wheel if we don't have to, but let's see what we can do to partner so that other students coming in will feel supported and welcomed as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's a huge um, benefit to, to us in the event that the school system is not familiar with what, with what we um, can provide. And that, that is, um, that's been something that's been really surprising to me over the years is, you know, here's an organization that's been around for 22 years and can do such great work for military kids. And yet um, a lot of people haven't heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, spreading the word, spreading the word to educators as well as to parents, I think is really, is really helpful, helpful to the kids. Absolutely. And I just want to encourage, especially those that are listening that might be active duty that are going to new installations, you probably are seeing opportunities for the parent to parent workshops, um, or for the students. Um, you just may not realize that it's MSEC that's running it. Mm-hmm. So when you see things like, um, story time for your kids and activities going on in the local community and, um, and they usually have a great relationship with the installations. And so being able to, um, look at one of the activities, some of the activities that are happening in the area. And I highly encourage you to go to some of those events. They're well run and they're great and entertaining for the kids. I know one that we went to was at the Children's Museum in town and included story time and and a place for the kids to play and interact in the museum. And so a lot of our families might be bumping into MSEC and just not realize that that's what that resource is about. Yeah, and and actually, that's one of the things that um, that I want to do. Um, being new to the position and new to the organization from a leadership standpoint, is to um, is to get our name and our brand and our logo out there a little bit more prominently. Not because we want credit for anything, but because we want families to be and educators to be able to access our services. I, whatever I can do to help you guys do that, I'm all in because I'm just so thankful for what you've done for our family. Um, Dr. Porter, I think maybe to wrap up our time together, what I'd love to ask you, if you haven't said it already, I would love for you to maybe share, um, is there any resource in particular that you love um, or feel particularly affectionate about within MSEC? Is there one of your favorites? Is there, or maybe a story that's one of your favorites as to why why it's been such a passion for you to get involved and, and work with them now that you're supposedly retired? Yeah, now that right. I'm retired, right, right. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's hard. It's I don't want to say I don't want to pick a favorite, so to right. speak, um, because I hope that some of the staff is going to listen to this, and, uh, and I don't want anybody to feel left out. But I think one of the um, there there are two two programs. One is the student to student, which is it's just. Um, so uh, gratifying to see these young people who clearly have a bright future and um, and are benefiting from not only from um, what we provide from a from a content and a curriculum standpoint, but also just their interactions with each other and the opportunities that they have through student to student. I mean that that's really um, heartwarming. Uh, the other very specific thing that our parent to parent program does is, and I think you made reference to it is the tell me a story mm. and tell me a story is um, it's, it's story time, 
but it's a very deliberate story time. And it and it and um, it's an opportunity for parents to sit with their child. Um, usually a community leader will read a book to them, but it's, and it's, the book is selected very, very deliberately for what it can, what it provides to the child in content, as well as process and how it can encourage reading in them. And, um, and that, pro, and I, and, and, the, and the, the families get to take a copy of the book with them. And so the tell me a story is really kind of a fun thing too. So what we do for educators and um, school counselors and helping parents to transition their children is all very important. But the ones that really, I think, um, just kind of let you see how it impacts the individual children is the student to student programs and the tell me a story. Well, just to affirm what you guys are doing, um, I know that when we went to the Tell Me a Story, um, from a parent perspective, it was really powerful. At the community leader that was reading the story for the one that I went to happened to be um, one of our military leaders and his wife that kind of read the story together. From a parent perspective, I can't tell you how encouraging, again, going to that mentoring, going to um, having the village surrounding you, your military village even surrounding you as a parent, just to remind you that it's all, it all works out, right? It all works out. And being able to have access to those mentors is just really encouraging when they're able to talk about their family and how their kids are grown and gone, or maybe have their own children and how much they're enjoying reading this book, even to their grandkids. And, and you just get that perspective as a parent that um, what you're going through in this present circumstance, whether you have toddlers that you feel like, you know, you just, feel like all you're doing is laundry and diapers and dishes, right? That there's, there's something outside of today mm-hmm. that's coming and that there's, um, you will get through this season mm-hmm. and having those mentors there, I think does wonders for your heart in that. Um, but I think from my kids, from my kids perspective, that story time was good because they got to look in the room now I'm really going to cry, right? But they got to look in the room and they got to see just how many military kids there were. Sometimes, depending on where you're stationed, you go into a school that may not be a Dodia school, right? It might be a school that has civilian and military kids. And it's easy to look around the lunchroom and feel like you're the only military kid there mm-hmm. or that um, you moved mid-year and everybody else has moved on and made connections and you just feel all alone. And so as our kids got older, um, I think it was so good for them to walk into a room and feel like they were at home and feel like there was other kids around them that are having the same experience, that they could have those, what seemed like weird conversations of where did you come from, right? (laughs) Um, And feel like that wasn't an odd question. And so again, if you're listening and maybe you've just moved or you're anticipating a move, um, there's just so much available to you. If you get outside of your house and just log even on the website and see what's available through resources on the website, but also what what might be happening at that next installation or even where you are now that might help with that upcoming transition. Um, There's a lot that's available to them. So I just want to say thank you for taking on this role. I know it's new for you, but um, 
you obviously are passionate about it. Um, there's a reason why you were supposed to help with digging into that material to write um, those <laughs> opening remarks or closing remarks. Um, I'm so glad that you came across MSEC and that you're now in a place where you can make such a difference for so many families. I think that's one of the greatest joys is being able to maximize your effort each day and know that you're not just touching one family, you're touching so many at once just by being able to take MSEC to the next level. So Dr. Porter, thank you so much for your time and your energy for what you're doing, um, for encouraging so many families and for leading a staff of people who obviously love others and want what's best for others and want what's best for these kids too. And so I personally, from my military family to you, I just want to say thank you for what you do. Thanks so much, Corey. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you're feeling especially grateful, head on over to patreon.com forward slash life giver or find the link in today's show notes where for just a couple of dollars, you can help breathe life into more service families. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.